0: Amen. Take your Bibles out tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. It is good to be here tonight, and I am excited about looking forward to Sunday, one of my favorite Sundays of the year, and looking forward to what God wants to do in that service. But you know, we're not promised Easter Sunday. The Lord could come back before Easter Sunday, and we might get to spend Resurrection Sunday in heaven, and I'd be just fine with that. And so I'm just thankful to be here tonight, looking forward to what God wants to do in this service. And I've got a very simple thought that I want to share with you tonight to encourage you a little bit as we look forward to uh, Easter Sunday and what we're going to be celebrating. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, if you would look down, I'm going to try to save us some time by reading... um, Reading just a little bit. Verse 18, remain seated tonight if you don't mind. First Corinthians chapter 1, look down to verse number 18. The Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Could I just say, isn't it wonderful? It says, unto us which are saved. Assurance, isn't that great? Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleads God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now watch verse 22 and verse 23. We're going to pull the message out of there tonight. The Bible says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Let's pray together. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for the privilege to preach your word again. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful and beautiful principle we're going to preach on tonight. And I pray that, Lord, you'd help me to say exactly what you'd have to be said the way it needs to be said. I pray most of all, Holy Spirit, that you would unfold these verses in a way that our hearts will understand them and grasp them, embrace them, and then run to others with them. I pray tonight that our church would be a church that is known for preaching the cross of Christ. And help us, Father, as we look forward to this Easter holiday to not neglect, uh, Lord, the importance of the cross, Lord, prior to the resurrection of Christ. And Lord, I pray you would instill that upon our hearts tonight through your word, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. This afternoon, I was, or uh, around lunchtime, I was having lunch at a Sweet Peppers Deli and I went by there and uh, placed my order. And uh, on, the, on the way out, I pulled out a gospel track, one of our Easter invitations, and I gave it to the lady. And I said, hey, we'd love to have you come be part of our Easter service this year. We're going to have a wonderful time, wonderful music, and then have a wonderful message from the word of God about the resurrection of Christ. And uh, the young lady says, well, I've actually taken off uh, this Sunday, and I'll be there. And I'll have my kids there. So I'm looking forward to having her uh, here on Sunday. It's always good to make friends in the fast food industry, isn't it? Amen. And I look for those folks, uh, folks at Krispy Kreme, folks at Chick-fil-A, it's just good to have friends in those places. But she says, I'm looking forward to being there. And I thought about that when I got home. That's a phrase I have heard a lot this past week. I'm looking forward to the holiday. I'm looking forward to Easter Sunday. I'm looking forward to Resurrection Sunday. And I believe tonight we could probably divide that statement in two ways. We're, number one, we're looking forward to the holiday. Uh, I think everybody looks forward to the trappings of the holidays. We're looking forward to the family gatherings, uh, the Easter ham, uh, looking forward to the new outfits we get every year. I just know you men are looking forward to wearing those new ties that you only have to wear once a year when your wife picks them out for you on Easter. I know how that works. And you're looking forward to that, and we're looking forward to all the trappings of the Easter holiday, the egg hunt. Uh, we've got thousands of eggs there in the office, and we're just going to have a good old time. I told Miss Pam, I don't know why we call it an egg hunt. It's just more like an egg pickup because there's going to be eggs all over the ground, thousands of them out there. I think it should at least be blindfolded or, or give them a spoon or something to make it a little difficult uh, when they go out there and pick them up. And so that's the holiday aspect of Easter. But also, I believe there's the Holy Day aspect of Easter that many of us look forward to as well. Uh, We look at Easter and the spiritual significance of that holiday that we're looking forward to celebrating the risen Savior. Aren't you glad that we don't go put flowers on the grave of our Savior? That'd be kind of depressing, wouldn't it? Uh, By the way, there's some religions tonight that have to do that. How sad is that, that they go and they visit the grave of their Savior or the leader of their faith? We don't have to do that. The tomb is empty, and we celebrate that. And we're going to celebrate the risen Savior and the victorious life that comes along with that for you and I as the children of God. I mean, the risen Savior sealed the opportunity for us to not only be saved, but to live a resurrected life. I mean, it's not just about salvation and saving us from hell for heaven. It's also about the resurrected life that we get, G-E-T, we get to live. We get to live a life where we're no longer dead in our trespasses and sins. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so I look forward to celebrating that part of the holy day, okay? Not just the holiday, but the holy day and the spiritual significance around the resurrection of Christ. But... With all that we have to look forward to, I honestly believe sometimes we look too far forward, all right? I'm looking forward to celebrating the resurrection of Christ and all that that means for us as the people of God. But oftentimes, I believe we make a very simple mistake, and I've been guilty of it many times. We look forward to the resurrection by looking past the crucifixion, all right? The resurrection is obviously extremely important to our faith. But before we can get to the resurrection, there's the crucifixion of Christ. Now folks, there's some very important things that took place uh, surrounding the crucifixion of Christ, and this is the week that we're living in right now that we set aside to acknowledge that. And we're so eagerly looking forward to acknowledging the resurrection, but we can't look past the crucifixion of Christ to acknowledge the resurrection of Christ because you get to the resurrection by the way of the cross. Is that not what the song is all about? I must needs go home by what? By the way of the cross. Matter of fact, I believe I printed those off, the lyrics to that song today. I want to read them to you. Listen close. I printed it very, very small. I hope that I can read this. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go. The way of the cross leads home. In order to celebrate and to understand and embrace and accept all that the resurrection means to us, you've got to get to the resurrection by way of the cross. And I'm looking forward to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, but we get to the resurrection by way of the cross. And let me tell you something, as I, as I prepared for tonight, I realize that so many of our Christian circles today are almost preaching a crossless Christianity. We're preaching a cross. Now, we're thinking to ourselves, how on earth could you have a Christianity without a cross? Well, watch this. You're preaching more about the prize, which, by the way, I'm thankful for the prize of the resurrected Christ, that resurrected life. We preach a lot about the blessings and the promises that come along with the resurrection of Christ. And we preach about the prize, but we neglect to preach about the price. The prize that comes along with the resurrection of Christ—it's wonderful. I get to be saved. Listen, I will never die. I will never die. I'm going to draw my last breath here, and I'm not going to do a ground to wait for the trump of God. Immediately, I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior, and oh, what a prize! But that prize came with a price. And then so often, listen, you look at the prosperity gospel churches today, we'll pick on the easy target, all right? He's an easy target because he has a perfect smile and he has a nice hairdo, Joel Osteen. You think about so much of what he preaches about, and look, he's not my enemies per se. Uh, he's I'm sure he's down there along the line somewhere, but he preaches all about the prize. He preaches about the blessings and the promises and the benefits, and hey, those are there, but you only get to those things by way of the cross. You can't get to the resurrection of Christ and the promises, the blessings, and the benefits that come through that without first going by way of the cross. I don't know Brother Joel personally. I passed by his church a few times, but I went online today to print off the titles of his books. I want to read them to you to see if you find a common denominator. His, his, his best-selling book is Your Best Life Now. Another one is The Power of Favor. Another one is becoming a better you. Another one is think better, live better. Another is all things good. Another one is every day Friday. Man, I wish that was real, don't you? Every day Friday. You notice the common theme there. The preaching and the teaching and the books are all written about the promises and blessings that await the child of God. And indeed, they are there. I'm thankful for the better life that we do get after we're saved than we had before we got saved. But understand, the key to those blessings and possessing those promises and benefits of the resurrected Christ are only possessable by way of the cross. You've got to preach the cross of Christ. Now, if you will look down at verse number 18, Paul is driving this point home. He says, for the preaching of what? The cross. We only come by those blessings by the way of the cross. Andrew Murray said this, salvation only comes through a cross and a crucified Christ. We want salvation, the blessings, the benefits, but that only comes through a crucified Christ. R.G. Lee said this, taking the cross out of our preaching, whether that preaching be in a country church or the big church in the city, is like taking the heat out of the fire. Melody out of the music, numbers out of mathematics, fact out of history, mind out of metaphysics, words out of vocabularies. We cannot neglect the preaching of the cross. He says in verse number 18, it's the preaching of the cross. Look down, if you will, verse number 23. But we preach Christ crucifying. What is that? It's the preaching of the cross. Watchman Nee said this, long-lasting victory can never be separated from a long-lasting stand on the foundation of the cross. What does that mean? It means we can't preach the prize without preaching the price. Listen, the prize is all the benefits and blessings and freedoms and liberties that we enjoy because of the risen Savior. But understand, we get there by way of the cross. And I want to tell you something tonight. Central Baptist Church, you know, we, we went out Saturday morning. I'm so excited about, I don't know how many dozen people we went out, uh, soul winning. Hundreds of doors were knocked on. People have been saved this week. What a blessing it is. Look, this community needs a church That puts a priority on the preaching of the cross of Christ. We can't just preach the blessings and the benefits and all of the gravy that comes along with the risen Savior because the only way to access that is by way of the cross. And so tonight, as we look forward to the resurrection, I don't wanna look past the crucifixion. We're gonna talk about that tonight. We're not going to look so far down the road that we're already celebrating the resurrection without realizing the need to proclaim the cross of Christ. And tonight, I want to show you why that's a a priority or should be a priority in our church, all right? Look down at verse number 22. Verse 18 says, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. You look back down, verse 22. The Bible says here, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now, here's what Paul's doing. Paul's acknowledging the main two schools of thought in the era that he's living in. All right? You have the Jews and you have the Greeks. Now, what I want you to notice in verse number 22, I don't have the time to go into all of the detail of exactly what they're requiring, but I want you to see this. Although both of them are on different paths, one seeking a sign and one is seeking wisdom, notice, if you will, they're both on an expedition, All right? They are both seeking something. Notice verse 22. The Bible says the Jews require. And then the Bible says the Greeks seek. Now, those two words are going to show us why we should have a priority on preaching of the cross. Number one, I want you to notice the desire of the heart. Notice the desire of the heart. Now, although they didn't realize what they were looking for, and although they were taking two separate paths When you see the word require and you see the word seek, both groups are acknowledging they're in need of something. Do you see that? One is requiring something and one is seeking something. And by that, both are acknowledging that although they don't know what it is, they are seeking something they do not have. Now, folks, this is why it's important that we preach Christ. Why? Because the desire in the heart of every man to find something that he's missing, even though he doesn't know what it is. Now, can I tell you nothing's changed in 2021? Although we look around, maybe we don't see a whole lot of Jews or a whole lot of Greeks. I assure you that the people you see in Turtle Creek Mall, in Walmart, in Popeye's, and Raising Cane's, wherever it is you go, Every person you run into has the same problem that the Jews and the Greeks have. There's a desire in their heart to require or to seek something that they're missing that they do not have. Why do people get hooked on everything under the sun? Drugs and alcohol. Why do people jump from this thing to that thing and try this and then try that? They're seeking something. All of us are seeking or require something. As a matter of fact, the discontent in America... I believe, is a direct reflection of that. Look at America. One word that describes our country beautifully is discontented. We are a discontented people. We're not content about anything. We have no peace in our life. We're constantly hopping from this thing and that thing and this fad and this feeling and this movement to another. Why? Why are we so discontented? Our discontent is merely evidence that we've yet to find the thing, the one thing that brings us peace. You see the importance of preaching the cross of Christ? It's the desire of the heart. The Bible says they required a sign, and they were seeking after wisdom. Uh, Back in December, I had some plumbing issues in our house, and uh, look, I'm a man's man. I can figure it out and fix it myself. I jokingly say all the time I had a real job before I went into ministry. I used to work construction. I said, hey, I'll just fix it. I'm looking there at the copper pipe coming out of the wall because the copper pipe was leaking, and I'm thinking, all right. How am I going to attach to that? Because it was just a small piece of copper sticking outside the wall. And so I go to Lowe's and I'm looking at all the fittings there, trying to figure out which fitting I needed. Man walks up to me. He says, are you looking for something? Great conversation starter. No, I just like to come here and stare at this wall. No, I didn't say that. I didn't. Don't be a smart aleck. I says, yes. He says, can you help me? I says, no. He says, why not? I says, because I don't know what I'm looking for but I'll know it when I find it. That's a true man statement right there, isn't it? I don't know what I'm looking for, but I'll know it when I find it. And lo and behold, I found it. I found it, all right? Now, here it was. I had a need... I knew I had a need, but I didn't know what I needed to fix it. And usually what I do is I just buy a whole bag of fittings uh, and take the ones back that I don't use, okay? I sat there for a while trying to figure out, how do I get this half inch to three quarter? How am I going to get it to bite because I don't have room to solder it on there? And lo and behold, I found one of those shark bite uh, fittings that helped it go on, and it worked. it worked just fine. Now, here's what I'm getting at. I was standing there with a need, knowing that I needed something. I didn't know what it was that I needed, but I knew that I would know it when I found it. Are you with me? All right? I knew I would know it when I found it. And lo and behold, when I found it, it was exactly what I was looking for. Now, listen, every person that you see walking up and down the streets was born with a need. And that need, they know it on the inside. That's why we're always seeking something that brings satisfaction and fulfillment in our life. And we have to jump from this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. And here's what's sad. You used to be able to go to a church and find out what you were missing. You used to be able to go to church. Some preacher would get up behind the, pul- the pulpit. Didn't have to be an eloquent speaker, but he would preach the cross of Christ. And through the cross of Christ and the preaching of the cross of Christ, people found what they were needing. Matter of fact, some of you here tonight, that's probably exactly how you got saved. He came to a church. Matter of fact, the other day, well, I say the other day, time is relative with preachers. You know that, right? It's all relative, you know? The other day is probably six months ago, doorbell rang. Uh, Ms. Pam says, somebody's out front. It was a gentleman. I said, I'll take it. So I walked around front, a gentleman sitting out there on the bench in front of the, uh, front of the office. I said, can I help you? He says, yeah. He says, I'm looking for something. I'm like, well, we got a lot of those here. You got to narrow it down. I'll find out if this is something you're looking for. He put his head down and he says, look, had a rough, rough go, rough patch of life. Here's what he said. Just as plain as could be, he says, I've been contemplating suicide. I said, oh, this is serious. This is not a joking matter. He said, I've been contemplating it, and I thought I'd just stop by here and see if you had something to say before I moved on. Why did he stop here? Why did he stop here? He knew he had a need. You know, we hear a lot about church, and we hear a lot about God and all of these things. Maybe he's got something to say, and about 30 minutes later, that man bowed his head and trusted Christ as a Savior. Thank God there's a church here. That puts a priority on the preaching and teaching, listen, and soul winning of its people to go out and to preach the cross of Christ. Why? Because there's people looking for something. There's people who know they have a need and they're standing there on the aisle of the lows of life. And they know they have a need but they don't know what it is. And they need somebody to come along and help them find what they don't know they need but what they're desperately looking for. Dude, I believe with all my heart, I'll give you this is my opinion. I believe with all my heart, Luke chapter number 19, when you see Zacchaeus doing what Zacchaeus is doing, he's doing it because he's looking for something. I don't believe Zacchaeus was part of the paparazzi, you know. Some of you people go go gaga over famous people. You know, you saw the WDM weatherman at McDonald's and you're snapping that selfie, putting it on Facebook, you know. I don't believe Zacchaeus was part of the paparazzi. Matter of fact, listen to what the Bible says in Luke 19. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. This wasn't a nobody. This man had prestige. This man had clout. Evidently, this man had money. The Bible says he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before. Now, can you see this well-to-do guy? He has a position. He has prosperity in his life. And yet, I just see this little short fella taking off, running down the street, trying to get ahead of the crowd, climbing up the sycamore tree. What? Now, look. I'll climb up a tree for my daughter. You know, we don't have a cat. You have a cat, I'll come get it out of the tree for you. I don't mind doing that. But you don't see grown men climbing trees very often, do you? I mean, it's got to be an extreme some of you are looking like, what? well, I mean, some, I don't. Okay, we'll just put it that way, I don't. And yet, this man, why is he going through all this trouble? The Bible says he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. I believe the reason, all of my heart, I believe the reason Zacchaeus is going through all of this trouble is he had a need. He was looking for something. He required something. He was seeking something. Didn't know what it was, but heard all about this guy named Jesus and said, hey, why not give him a try? And he found what he was looking for. Can I tell you something? Thank God there was somebody there. It happened to be Jesus himself. It was there to tell him the truth. Thank God that Christ was there passing through that way. Now, here's what I wonder. How often are people passing through our way, and yet we're so hesitant to proclaim the the, the cross of Christ To proclaim Christ crucified, He's the answer. We see these people and we stand back at our work. I don't because I work with perfect people, but we stand back at our work. And we're thinking, man, they've got a messed up life. They're on their fourth, fifth, sixth wife, fourth, fifth, sixth job. They just keep jumping place to place. Yeah. Wonder why? They need something. They're seeking something. They require something. And lo and behold, God put you and I there that's passing by their way to proclaim the crucified Christ. Why? Because that's what they're looking for. There's a desire in their heart. Zig Ziglar put it this way money won't buy happiness, but evidently everyone wants to find that out for himself. Isn't that true? How many times do we hear that money won't buy happiness? But it seems like all of us have to prove that to be true for itself. And we see people who get more and more and more and more things and more stuff and more prestige, and it doesn't do anything for them. Why? Because what their re- their heart requires is the cross of Christ. The benefits, the blessings, the promises of the resurrection of Christ only come by way of the cross. There's something our heart requires tonight. There's something our soul seeks. And the Bible says in verse number 23 this is why we preach Christ crucified. Why did Nicodemus in John chapter 3 come to Christ by night? He was a Pharisee. All right? Zacchaeus was a publican, he had prestige, he had power, he had money. What was he looking for? He was looking for what he didn't have. Evidently the prestige, the power and the money wasn't doing. It. Now here comes Nicodemus, a Pharisee. He's a religious guy. He had religion. And yet he comes to Christ by night. Why? He says, look, I know you're from God. There's something about you. And I think you're what I'm looking for. I think about the woman at the well. Why did she have five husbands? I don't believe she was a widow five times over. If she was, she's probably the first serial killer in the Bible. Who knows? It could be. We'll find out one day. I believe the reason she had five husbands is she was looking for something. Kept moving on this, 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 this. What did Jesus say when he came to her in John 4? If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse 13, Jesus said unto her, whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. What was he telling her? I can give you what will quench your thirst. I can give you what will quench your thirst that you will never thirst again. read an article this week entitled, Places Unhappy People Look for Happiness. All right, I'm going to give you the first five or six. And here's exactly the words that were used to describe. Number one, their next purchase. Number two, their next paycheck. Number three, their next relationship. Number four, their next physical improvement. Ain't no happiness there for me because that ain't possible. The next one is the next competition. And the last one is the next job. Now, did you find a common denominator in there? It's the word next. Now, look, this wasn't a spiritual article. This was a secular article. Or do unhappy people go to look for happiness? They go to their next purchase, paycheck, next relationship, next physical improvement, next competition, and next job. Can I tell you something tonight that you don't need to wait too long before you realize and accept this truth? There's always going to be a next until your next is Christ. There's always going to be a next. We see people that are going to the next job and the next spouse and the next this and the next that. If I just had a bigger, better this, a more shiny this, a newer model this, there's always going to be a next until you find what you require and what you seek, and that's the preaching of the cross of Christ. All right? Now, we're amening that. If we really believe that, we're going to go out and share what they're looking for with them, aren't we? That's why this church has got to put a priority on the preaching of the crucified Christ. Why? Because that's what they require and that's what they seek. That ought to be a priority in each and every one of our lives. And by the way, that's not just the pastor. Preaching means to publicly proclaim. That's what we did Saturday. We went out door knocking. So, second thing, real quickly, let's look down. Verse 22 For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now, notice the two things they're seeking after the Jews require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. So here's the deal. Both of them realized they needed something. One is requiring something. One is seeking something. So both of them realized they needed something, and they both set out to find it. They took different paths. One is seeking it through a religious sign, and one is seeking it through philosophical wisdom, but they're both setting out on a journey to find what they need. Now, here's the sad part. They started pursuing what they needed, but they went the wrong way. All right. Have you ever had a good idea and knew what you needed to do, but went about it the wrong way? Guilty. Guilty. I've tried to do the right thing the wrong way many times. Sadly, I will probably do it a little bit more in my future. The other day, I was on the way home from the Sanders graveside down in um, Biloxi at the National Cemetery there. And uh, I don't know if you saw the pictures, it was just pouring down rain, even during the, uh, getting the casket out and and the service there, we were all just so, I was soaked in my suit. And on the way home, 49 North, I'm I'm headed, I'm in the uh, slow lane, uh, trying to go slow because of the weather, and the car in the fast lane all of a sudden veered out and spun out in the median, I mean just right in front of me. So I made a U-turn to go back and check on the person. You know, that could be somebody's mom, somebody's wife, somebody's daughter. I want to go check on them as well. And So I turned around to go back, and now I'm headed south on 49 again, about a mile away. And the car in front of me now all of a sudden veers off-road hydroplanes and starts flipping over its side, flipping over and, over and over and over again. I got pictures of it just flipping. I immediately pull my car over. That's why it's not important. Listen, you shouldn't follow in front of me, all right? You get in front of me, go get in a wreck. That was two for two in one day. I pulled over to the side of the road, just took off down to the median. Another car pulled over. The guy took off down the median. The car is sitting on its side. The young lady, a student from USM, had to bust the, the sunroof to get her out pulled her out of the car. She's bloodied up a little bit on her left hand and just shook up real bad. And I says, look, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. We tried to get her purse out of the car. Car was still running. Alarm was going off. Uh, it was just a mess pouring down, just cats and dogs. And I says, look, is there somebody we can call? Where were you headed? She says, well, it's my birthday today and I'm headed down to Gulfport. But when she said, I'm headed down to Gulfport, she pointed toward Hattiesburg. I said, you mean You mean you're going to Hattiesburg no I'm headed to Gulfport I said I said that's north that's Hattiesburg. no she said that's that's Gulfport and so she got a little bit turned around there all right she had the right idea but was being pointed in the wrong direction oftentimes that's what happens to us we get out there in the world we get turned around and spun around by the world and we have a good idea of what we need in the direction we're going but we head that way the wrong way now notice the second reason we should make a priority of the preaching of the cross of Christ. And number two, that's the deception of man. The deception of man. Notice they got deceived. They're looking for what they need and what they're missing. And one says, I'm going to seek a sign. One says, I'm going to seek philosophy or wisdom. To often, listen, in the pursuit of truth, somewhere between the pursuit of truth and the possession of truth, do you know what happens? There's a deception of truth. All right? We set out, we're pursuing truth, we're pursuing what we need in our life, and somewhere between pursuing and possession, there's deception. Now, this is where Satan is masterful. How many times of your life have you made up your mind you're going to do what's right? You're going to live right? You're going to be the husband you're supposed to be, the wife you're supposed to be, the young person you're supposed to be, the church member you're supposed to be, uh, I'm going to be the Sunday school teacher I'm supposed to be, the pastor I'm supposed to be, I'm going to read my Bible like I'm supposed to, I'm going to pray like I'm supposed to, lead my families in devotion like I'm supposed to, and you make up your mind and you set out and all of a sudden you get blindsided. You don't make it out of the gate and you get tripped up by something. Why? Because the devil is masterful at deception. He knows how to deceive. I believe that every time one of us sets out to seek truth and to seek what we need and what we're missing in our life, I don't know if this is the way it works. But I'm still very young. Brother Bobby, I'm only 41. That's young. I still have an imagination. I think the devil has his little demons posted out there in the world, and he's watching you in your life. And as long as you're being a deadbeat Christian, he's not worried about you. And all of a sudden, you decide to dust yourself off, get about the will of God, and fill that void in your life that can only be filled through Christ and a closer relationship and walk with him. And all of a sudden, the devil calls over his headset, hey, go get him. He dispatches his demons towards you to come get you. Why? Because misery loves company. The devil's miserable. Why? Because he's rejected truth. He's miserable because he's without Christ and misery loves company and the only freedom to misery is the truth that what? Makes you free. And the devil can't afford for you to have the freedom and liberty that comes through having the right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he sends his demons to what? To deceive you. Second Corinthians 4.4, four, the Bible describes this in detail. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, there's Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He has to keep them deceived. The devil wants you to stay deceived. Can I tell you what the will of the devil is? We talk about the will of God all the time. You know the devil has a will. Does the Bible say he's come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the will of the devil. All right? Do you know the devil has a will for Hattiesburg, Mississippi? The devil has a plan for Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Let's bring it closer to home. You know, the devil has a plan for this church. He can never get in here. So the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. Don't you be the weak link that lets him in. Keep that hedge high. Don't punch holes in your hedge through disobedience and immorality. Keep that hedge up high. Would it scare you even worse to tell you the devil has a plan for your home? One of the scariest things I ever read in the Word of God is when I realized the devil knew Job's name. He knew him. Remember? God says, hast thou considered my servant, Job? And then the devil begins telling God all about Job. You built a hedge about him. Evidently, the devil was paying attention. Don't think for a second he's that little red guy with the pointy tail and the pitchfork. Oh, no. He's a destroyer. And the way that he destroys is through deception. He seeks to deceive us. And notice what the Jews did. He deceived the Jews saying, look, okay, you want to seek what you're missing? You're going to seek a sign. That's what you need, religion. I hate to tell you, religion's not going to give you what you need. The Greeks, the Bible says here, they were seeking wisdom or some philosophical explanation of truth. The devil doesn't care how you're deceived as long as you stay deceived. He wants you to be in the dark. He doesn't want the light of the glorious gospel to shine through. And after you get saved, he doesn't want that light, the enlightenment from the word of God about the will of God for your life. He doesn't want that to shine through either. So he wants you to stay deceived. Now, can I tell you what the worst deception is? Self-deception. Whoever would have thought that we could lie to ourselves and we would believe it, but we do. I mean, some of you got dressed tonight and thought you matched. Some of you walked out the door and looked in the mirror and thought you looked good. Look, I just do the best I can. (laughs) Me and Brother Jim, bless our hearts. We just do the best we can, you know? If we had good looks, we'd probably be the most prideful people in the world, so God made us ugly so we'd be humble. And, hey, it works for me, all right? just want to stay humble. That's why my hair's falling out. Now, folks, can I tell you something tonight? The devil seeks to deceive you, and the best deception he can get is when he can get you to lie to yourself and tell you you're okay when you're not. All right? Now, watch this. The Jews, evidently the Jews thought, you know, this is the way I need to go. We need to require a sign, a religious sign. That's what we need. Do you know who told them that? Themselves. They didn't get that out of the word of God. They didn't get that from the word which the Bible says is truth. They didn't get that from there. They came up with that on their own. They lied to themselves and believed their own lie. What does the Bible say in 1 John 1.8? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, notice what this says. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Notice one, two, three times the word, that verse uses the word we. We. A lot of times we say, I got led astray by hearsay. Most of the time, we get led astray by we say. All right? So well, I just read that on Facebook, and so I decided to build my home on that. Number one, shame on you for stupidity, all right? You shouldn't build your home on anything you see on Facebook. You ought to build your home on what thus saith the Lord, because thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. You want to have the right kind of home, build it upon truth. But oftentimes what happens is we decide, you know what? This is the direction I need to go. What did the Jews say? You know what? I think the way... To get what we're looking for is through a sign or through religion. What do the Greeks say? We think it's through enlightenment, intellectualism. But the sad thing is they had slowly deceived themselves. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 10. I'm going to hurry. We're not too far over time. Romans chapter number 10. I tricked Brother Heath last week and let you guys out a little bit early, and he preached extra long thinking I was going to go long. So we're going to flip the tables if I can tonight. Romans chapter number 10. <clears throat> Look at verse 1. I want you to follow this with me. Watch the progression of events. What are we talking about? The preaching of the cross of Christ. Why should it be a priority in our life? Because of the deception of men. People are deceived. Verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I hope that's our desire tonight. People be saved. For I bear record... For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Oh, we see that in the society today, don't we? People have a zeal of God, bumper stickers and t-shirts, man. The Bible says, not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Notice, it goes back to Christ. It's always had to go back to Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. The Bible says they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, are going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Can I tell you, we're living in a world that refuses to submit themselves to the righteousness of God. I'm going to have the blessings, the promises, and all the goodies from God, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to submit to God's way, but I hate to tell them there's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, all right? The way, the truth, the life. He says, I'm it, and we sit on that tonight. We sit on that. We have the way to what they're looking for, but the way is only through Christ. We're living in a society that's not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. And I hate to tell you, you're not going to do an end around. You're not going to find a back door to the blessings of God. Heaven has no back door. It has a front gate. The only way through that front gate is through the righteousness of Christ. You must go through by way of the cross. I'm looking forward to resurrection Sunday. I'm looking forward to preaching on victory and freedom and liberty and all that comes from the resurrection of Christ. But the resurrection of Christ came by way of a cross. There was a price to be paid for the prize of that resurrected life. The problem so often is Romans, uh, Proverbs chapter 14. I'm going to hurry. Verse 12, we know this well. It's mentioned twice in the book of Proverbs. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Do you know requiring a sign seemed right to the Jews? This seems like a good idea. I mean, those are famous last words, aren't they, here in the South for us rednecks? You know, I think it's a good idea. And usually, look, it, ask your wife. All right, I have just learned to ask my wife. You think it's a good idea? No, okay. I, don't think I have learned my wife has some, has some wisdom. But the worst thing you could ever do is live your spiritual life after you get saved based on what seems right to you. There's gonna be a lot of people in Hattiesburg, Mississippi die and spend eternity in a devil's hell. Not because they didn't believe anything, but because they believed what they thought. How many people have we run into out soul winning the last few weeks? Ask them, are you going to heaven when you die? Yeah, why? And they give you every excuse on the book. Now, oftentimes it begins with I think. I think, I believe. Now, nothing wrong with that as long as what you think and what you believe is based on the truth of the word of God. But we've got to submit to God's righteousness through Christ on the cross in order to reach that resurrected life. So number two, why should we have a priority to preach the crucified Christ? He says in verse number 18, the preaching of the cross. Verse 22, verse 23, but we preach Christ. Why? Because of the deception of man. Oftentimes, here's what we do. We complain about the world, Instead of confronting the world with the cross. We complain about it. Man, these people acting this way, people living this way. Man, you look on the news, all these things going on, and we complain about it. We go on Facebook, man, and we preach the house down on social media. And yet, watch this, we complain more than we confront. You know what Paul did? What did Paul do? Well, exactly what he did in verse number 23. We preach Christ. He said the reason the world's messed up is because they're deceived. I'm not surprised when someone who's in darkness walks a little bit crooked. Why? They're walking in darkness. You ever try to walk in darkness? We all have. We've all stumped our toe walking through the house at night trying to find the light switch. Why? We're walking in darkness. I'm not surprised when people walk strange when they're walking in darkness. What I am surprised at is when people who are supposed to be walking in the light could care less to help people out of darkness with the truth that they have found through the crucified Christ. We have that tonight. Now, I'm fixing to bring it all to a close with verse 23, and I'm going to let you go. Notice what it says, but there's a conjunction there. The Jews are going about trying to find that resurrected life through a sign. The Greeks, after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Paul says we're preaching the solution, the only solution. John 14, 6, there's a very important word, I am the, the singular one and only. Is there a resurrected life? Yes, we're gonna celebrate it Sunday. Looking forward to it. Boy, I, I already know, Lord willing, I have a lot of verbal commitments. Not sure what they're worth, but I'm praying they're worth a lot. Sunday morning, we're going to have a lot of people in here. And oh, I look forward to, to trying to share with them the truths of that resurrected life, that victorious life that we have through our resurrected Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can't pitch it to them outside of the way of the cross. That's it. That's it. So number three why should we put a priority on preaching the cross of christ the third reason is simply this our duty to the cross we have a duty to the cross let me ask you this how cruel would it be to have the soul one only cure to the greatest pandemic the world has ever seen and i'm not talking about covid The pandemic of sin has not only hit our generation, but the pandemic of sin has impacted every generation all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It has spread like wildfire. It's now spread through our DNA. We are born sinners. How cruel would you have to be to have that and to sit on it and not share it? How cruel would you be? Look, if you had the COVID vaccine back a year ago when all of this was hitting our world and disrupting our life, disrupting our church, and taking the lives of several of our dear church members, how cruel would you have to be not to share the antidote? And yet what plagues our world is far more deadly than COVID. So how do you know? Because one out of every one person that is born is born a sinner. And is born coming short of the glory of God. Do you know what coming short means? They're born with a need. They're born requiring something. They're born seeking something. And we have what they need it's Christ crucified. Paul says here, I have a duty. We preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Look back up to verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. If you're here tonight and you're saved, heaven's your home, you have the assurance if you died right now you're going to heaven, you have that because of the preaching of the crucified Christ. What does it say? It is the power of God to those of us which are saved. And oh, now we have a duty, a solemn, spiritual, eternal duty to preach the cross of Christ. Listen, when people in Hattiesburg that go looking for the void in their life to be filled, that void is the shape of a cross, they need to have a place they can come to and find it. But even more importantly than that, they didn't have a neighbor where they could find it. Then you have a coworker where they could find it. Oh, look, look, your coworker maybe is Zacchaeus up in a tree and he's looking, trying to find what his heart is missing. He's requiring something, he's seeking something. And God sent you to that particular workplace just so that you could point them to Christ. What did Jesus say? I must needs go through Samaria. Not, you know what? If I happen to be on this road, and if by chance a woman passes my way, and if she gives me the time of day and smiles at me, and if all the stars align, I might just share with her the key to heaven. No, he says, I must needs go. He had a duty. He was still about his father's business, as so should you and I. I've read this before, before, to you before. One of my favorite quotes from Spurgeon says, If sinners be damned... At least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. There are people on the path of life right now and they're slowly inching their way toward a devil's hell, just like you and I were. And somebody should have enough spiritual courage, boldness, and duty about them to go confront them with the cross of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's the only hope for them to be saved. Paul says, we preach Christ. Now, folks, we have wonderful music here at our church. We have wonderful programs here at our church. There are people all over this property tonight, Spanish churches going. I mean, there's people all over here. I'm so thankful for all the opportunities we have here. But our church can never, ever... Ever neglect the priority of preaching the crucified Christ. Let us never be a church that only preaches about the prizes. Let us be a church that always preaches about the price. You know, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my opinion. Something sad for me through the years has been watching the transformation of the church and watching churches take down their steeples. There's nothing spiritual necessarily about a steeple. It's just kind of a piece of construction that's up there. But every morning I come down Elks Lake Road and I turn north on Highway 49 as I'm heading this way, look up in the sky, and there on top of our steeple is a beautiful cross. It's high. It's high. And I think about how many people need to see that high and lift it up to know, like the man there on the front porch just a few weeks ago, that, you know what, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know I'm missing something. Maybe this is where I can find out what I'm looking for. Let us never, never, ever neglect the preaching of the crucified Christ. Are we looking forward to resurrection? Yeah. Let's not look past the cross and look past the price to see the prize. We'll talk about the prize that he brought for us. But, oh, what a great prize. You say, why is it so important? When you go by way of the cross and you stop and you see that cross, you know what you see? Number one, you see the price of our sin. You can't. Accept the prize without you first accepting the price that was paid for you and I. And you look up at that cross, those offenses, ours hours that were taken and nailed to his cross, you see the price for our sin, and then you see the love of our Father. you got to go through that way in order to find that resurrected life that he offers. So folks tonight, can I ask you, is there a priority in your life to preach the crucified Christ? Oh, it'd be so easy. I, look, I'd love to have Joel's job. Just to tell everybody about the blessings and the Fridays that are there for each and every one of us. If we just love God, we're going to get all of these goodies from heaven. Oh, God blesses us, the Bible says, daily, bountifully with benefits. But you must go by way of the cross. Why don't we decide tonight, and I'm going to close, that we're going to make it a priority in our personal life. By the grace of God, it's going to come out of this pulpit. The preaching of the crucified Christ. But what about your pulpit? What about your pulpit you so well, i don't have a pulpit yeah you do yeah you do it's your neighborhood it's your coworker. it's the person who sits beside you in class wherever you go that's the opportunity you have to point them to the way through the crucified christ heads are bowed tonight eyes are closed heads are bowed eyes are closed